If you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. I'll say it over here too. If you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. If you change the way you are looking at a current situation or circumstance that you may be confronted with today, if you change the way you look at it, that very thing will change. As long as the way you look at it is in line with the way God sees it. See, tonight we're gonna to talk about perspective, but not any old perspective. We're talking about heaven's perspective, the perspective of God, the way God sees things, the way God sees me, the way God sees you, the way we are to see God, the way God sees our situations and our circumstances, heaven's perspective and only that. You know, that's the primary, I knew I would find a way of slipping meditation into this message, Sandy. <laughs> But that's the primary question we ask the Lord when you do come to meditation, for those of you who have been. The primary question we ask him is, Lord, what is your perspective of me pertaining to this particular word that you've given me? Not my perspective. I don't want my perspective because my perspective has gotten me to the place where I am today, right? To the place where I need to go to Raymond in the first place. But God's perspective, because God's perspective is the only perspective that matters. You know, your aunt's, oh, I have to be careful of names. So your aunt's perspective doesn't matter. Doesn't matter how long they maybe have been going to church. Your uncle's perspective, your uncle who doesn't have a name, doesn't matter if he's got like the most successful business in whatever. His perspective doesn't matter. Your perspective doesn't matter, right? It's God's perspective that matters. And that's what we're going to talk about today is, per, is perspective. Because we also say perspective is everything. <clears throat> perspective is everything. You know, I, I love these sayings because you know they came, from, they came from somewhere originally. And I did look it up. Where did that actual saying come from originally? But I didn't find the answer. But I'll, I'll, I'll keep looking and I'll let you know. But perspective is everything. The way we look at things is everything and so it's probably important if perspective is you know even if it's not everything but even if it's just important right then it's probably good that we give it some attention amen pastor tina talked about 2018 so even how about that our perspective of 2018 is everything the perspective that you have the way you see a situation determines the outcome of the situation. The way you see a situation determines uh, priorities, excuse me. The way you see a situation determines how you're gonna feel about the situation. The way you see a situation determines the choices and decisions that you're gonna make pertaining to that situation. So in every situation, we need to make sure we have God's perspective. If you're believing for healing in your body, that's a situation. If you're believing for finances, that's a situation. And in order to get great results, the God kind of results that we're all looking for, that's why we're here, we need to make sure that we have God's perspective on the situation and see the situation for what it 
truthfully is the way that God sees it. Amen? Okay. Um, so, you know, we're talking about perspective. I love quotes. Abe Lincoln said, we can complain because rose bushes have thorns or rejoice because thorn bushes have roses. Yeah, Abe Lincoln. Yeah, so good. Okay, I'll say it again, Sandy, since you love it. We can complain because rose bushes have thorns or rejoice because thorn bushes have roses. It's the same bush with two different perspectives or two different ways, right, of looking at that same thing. So we can have a perspective on everything. Like I said, we have a perspective, a perspective of, our, of ourselves. We have a perspective of God. I'm going to be saying this word a lot tonight, so excuse me if, you know, I need to call something else, one syllable. Perspective, what do you think? It's all good. Okay. <laughs> oh, view, yes, view. Give it up for Pastor Tina, everybody. Okay, good. Um, yes, yeah, so Abe Lincoln, awesome. Okay, so we have a perspective on everything. On, on the way we see ourselves, right? We have a view on the way we see ourselves, the way we see God, the way we see our situations. You have a perspective right now on the chair you're sitting at, on, right? I love this chair because it's so soft. I hate this chair because it's so soft. Same, cha same chair, same level of softness, two different perspectives. We have a perspective, you have a perspective on me. I got a perspective on you. You guys look all good. You look so good, by the way, okay? Um, we have a perspective on everything. We have a, this, this one is interesting because the Lord gave me something cool on this one. So we have a perspective even on winter. We were talking about, we were talking about weather in the hall. Yeah. Okay. She's flow is flowing. So we have a perspective on winter. You know, what is your perspective on winter? For example, if perspective is everything, right? What is your perspective, right? Ah, oh. I can't, we'll use strongly, strongly dislike winter, right? The boots, oh, especially the lace, the boots with laces, right? Right, the, the hats, the mitts, the layers and layers, the clothing you have to wear up to here. And last week you had to wear like your whole face had to be covered, right? You know, what your, is your perspective? It's dangerous. It's hard to drive in. It's hard to go anywhere. It's slippery, right? Especially if you have a baby and you're bundling a baby up this time of year, the snow suits, right? What is your perspective? If perspective is everything. And there's a lot of people that have that perspective of winter. And the Lord this morning said to me, this is so cool. This perspective was super cool. He said, we live in Canada. We have winter every year. <laughs> he said there are four seasons in a year. That means a quarter of the year, 25% of the year is winter. And that means 25% of your life is winter. So if you live to 100, or let's just use 100 for those of us who are going for the Genesis 120, we'll use 100. That means 25 years out of 100 years you are disliking or having a negative view of, right? One thing, that's only winter. That's one thing, right? And that was an amazing perspective that he gave me that really, so like I embrace, you know, we have to look for the good in everything. You know, and what's so good about winter? 
What did he say? Oh, yeah, see? Right? Okay, if that's what you got to do, then, you know, praise the Lord. That's good, right? But, you know, sweaters. I love sweaters. Scarves, hats, whatever. You know, some people look so good in hats, and there's so many different kinds of hats. Or having hot chocolate. I don't even want to drink coffee in the summertime because it's just too hot. So I get to drink coffee in the wintertime, right? Find something good in everything because your perspective, right, matters. So I have a little a metaphor, prop, a little prop, if you will. This is what the Lord said to me. So I've known for a while that I was going to talk about this, y'all. And um, the very first thing that he said to me about tonight was that perspective is like a filter. See, 50% of our brain goes to visual processing. So that's why these help. Okay, another plug for meditation. Okay, (laughs) pictures, pictures, pictures. Okay, so your perspective is like a filter. So you have a situation, okay? And then your situation now gets filtered through this perspective, okay? And so if, you know, here we got a nice, beautiful, clean, pure perspective. We have heaven's perspective, a God perspective here. And now your situation, whatever your situation is, symptoms in your body, but you know, money situation, whatever the situation is, goes through this perspective or this filter, right? And you know, if I were to blow on this, Nothing nasty would come out because it's clean. And so what, right? what comes out the other side of this perspective because it's in line with heaven is good stuff. It's good feelings. It's good choices, good decisions, good priorities, which is a big deal. Okay. Conversely, thank you, Canadian Tire. I don't even want to fold this though because this is not even my cars, which makes it extra gross. But it's, I've seen way worse than this, but this is all the guy had. So I'm, I'm thankful for this. Yeah. It even has like a little piece of a... <laughs> so I don't even want to do it, but can you imagine if I bloat on this? Right? But this is good because I, you know why I like this? So obviously you know what, what that means, right? But this is another thing the Lord said. Even if you put good stuff through this. Okay? So even, he said... I'm saying good stuff all the time to people. But it passes through their perspective of me, of them, of the situation. And even though good is blowing through this, what happens when it gets all nasty coming out, right? Okay. Okay, so good. Yay, that worked. Now I have to wash my hands. Okay, praise the Lord. So I like to do definitions. Now, you know, we're already a few minutes in, but praise the Lord. So definition. Uh, You know why I like definitions? I like definitions for the same reason in in meditation we look up words. Because sometimes, like you you said view, right, which is a good word. But sometimes it just takes a different way of saying something to make more of an impact for us, right? So it's cool to hear things said in different ways because we're so different. And one word might, you know, kind of do a bigger thing in us than another word. Okay, so def- it's a particular attitude. You know, attitude, we all know that. Your attitude is, there, is so important. Your attitude is everything too. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Okay, 
a particular attitude toward something or a way of regarding something. It's a point of view. It's a way of thinking about something. Synonyms, words that mean the same. Outlook, frame of mind, or a way of looking at something. Okay? So probably that's the, way, that's the one I use the most. A perspective is just the way you look at it. What's your perspective on this situation? Right? In other words, how are you looking at this situation? Are you looking at this situation through the eyes of God? Right? Because that's how we should be looking at every situation. Amen? Okay, good. You guys good? Okay, and then the Latin root, it has, perspective has a Latin root meaning, which means to look through or perceive. So I like that. When you think of it, whatever the perspective is, if you have a good perspective on a situation, let's say physical symptoms, then I can look through to the end of that road and I see, right, a good result. Does that make sense? I can look through the situation to the end, when I have a good perspective, then I'm going to, obviously, I'm going to have a good outcome, okay? That's good. Praise the Lord. And, you know, here's the thing. We know, because we're so blessed in this house, that we know everything is a result of what you believe. Yeah. But this, this is the thing. In the process of believing, we still have to watch what we say. Yeah. We got to watch what we think about. We got to watch our perspective, right? Do you understand what I'm saying? We got to watch the things that we do. We got to do the do's in the process of believing, okay? And that's why we talk. I know we're not going to the very end of the continuum because everything starts with what you believe. And automazio, when I get the belief right, all of this falls into line. But in the process of believing, while I'm doing what I need to do in order to get to the place of believing, I have to watch still the way I look at things, the way I talk about things. Okay? Good, guys? Okay, yay. So, um, I say yay a lot. I know, I say yay, it's all good. Okay, okay, so I got my contacts on tonight. Yay! I brought these in case. Okay. <laughs> okay, so, when I was thinking of perspective... The, the first story, and I can say the greatest story, but definitely one of the Bible stories that is way up there at the top when it comes to perspective, okay, is the story of the 12 spies. Because two had a very different perspective from 10, right? Okay, so let us go there. I need to tell you as well, this is managing your expectations, that I'm going to read a lot. Okay, so I'm preparing you. You're ready now. So, so I'm gonna, no, I'm going to read a lot. So now you can be like, okay, she said she was going to read a lot. Instead of being like, when are you going to stop reading? Now you know to expect that I'm going to read a lot. Okay? That's all you got to do is manage expectations. Okay, so we're going to Numbers 13. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Here we go. 13. I opened this water, but I didn't actually drink it, did I? <laughs> Holy Spirit. Water is a type of the Holy Spirit. I am being filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> okay. Okay, so, um, I'm, so I'm good, right? Okay. Because I, I, I am skipping a bit. So I'm at Numbers 13, 
This this my new Kenneth Copeland Word of Faith Study Bible. I know. I like when things feel good, right? You you have to you have to work with you know. What you like, okay? So thirteen one. I'm gonna st- so I'm just gonna start reading. And I'll tell you when I skip along. This is this. I know you know the story, but and the Lord, the word has to come first. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying. Send men that they may explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers, you will send a man, each one a chief. Okay, chief, very important. And Moses sent them from the wilderness, according to the Lord. All those men were heads of the children of Israel. That's important. They were chiefs and heads, okay? Not any old randoms, okay? But he sent in... The best. So if you think of it in today, it would be like what? Navy SEALs or SWAT team or something? Right? Okay, so everything in the Bible is really important. Okay, and it's on purpose and it's for our purpose. Okay? Okay, so good. Uh, They were heads of the children of Israel. Then you go, we're not going to read all that. And then Moses chapter 17 sent them to explore the land and said, go up to the south land, go up see what the land is and the people that dwell in it, whether they're strong or weak, few or many, what the land is that they dwell in, good or bad, uh, what cities are they, whether in tents or in fortifications, what the land is, so basically check it out, right? Fat or lean, wood or no wood, and you be courageous and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time of the first ripe grapes. Okay, so the spies report down to the bottom. So they return, verse 27, they report, we came to the land where you sent us, surely it flows with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. However, the people are strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are fortified and very great. And also we saw the children of Anak there. Go down to 30. Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are able to overcome it. Different perspective, right? But the men that went up with him said, so these are the 10, the other 10. We are not able to go up against the people because they are stronger than we. They gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. I'm reading this and I'm like, where did you get that from? Do you know? Where did you get that from? devoured, it's a land that devoured its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it, like, did they actually see this happening? And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. Every single man is a man of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come from the giants. And in our eyes, we were like grasshoppers. That was their perspective. Our, their perspective was we're like, that was how they saw themselves in this particular sa- situation. We're like grasshoppers, and so we were in their eyes. And then we scoot over to um, ver- uh, chapter 14. Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, that's actually verse 6, spoke to all the assembly saying, the land which we pass through to explore is a very, very good land. 
If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. That's what the Lord said. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, because they are bread for us. Their defense is gone from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Okay? So, uh, totally, two totally different perspectives, right? The ten and the two. So, let me just look at a couple of things. They are bread for us. So you could look at that and you could say, um, like, they're bread for us in that we could, like, chew them up and spit them out, okay? Or you could look at it, like, I like to go to the Hebrew. I like to go to the Hebrew. I like to go to, like, the original. You guys like to do that? Okay. Okay. So here, here we go. Bread. That word bread right there. They are bread for us. B-R-E-A-D. Consists of three letters in the Hebrew. Lamed. Pastor Lizzie's not looking, but remember? Remember Alephet? Okay. <laughs> Don't ask me to go beyond that. What was? You guys remember. You guys are so good. Okay. So the first letter is Lamed, which means learning. The second is het, which means doorway. And the third is mem. The third letter of that word in Hebrew, bread, is mem. And it's a picture of Holy Spirit working. Because you have to understand, in the ancient Hebrew, every letter had a picture to go with it, right. right? Okay. And so bread in this context right here literally means the doorway to learn from Holy Spirit. So they saw this as an opportunity, right? And then also, too, I thought about, you know how we say from the book of Matthew, chapter 15, with the Canaanite woman who had the demon-possessed daughter? We say from that, healing is the children's bread. So inheritance is another way of looking at this. He's saying, they are bread. This is our inheritance. This is an opportunity and this is our inheritance. In that one little word, bread. That's good, eh? Not to mention Jesus is the bread of life. Okay, so it all comes together beautifully. Okay, so when I looked at this, the first, the first question I had was, okay, what was so special about the two? Right? Like, why, did the, why were the two able to have a good report? Never mind the ten, but what was it about the two? Because I thought surely that's where you know, where we were going tonight, right? And that's where I've gone in the past. What was it about the two? So Joshua, we know Numbers 27, 18 in the King James says, and the Lord said unto Moses, take thee Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the spirit. So that's a big deal. That in whom, in whom is the spirit. Okay, so we know in the Old Testament that Holy Spirit, it's not like for us today, New Testament believers. We have the Holy Spirit in us. They would have the Holy Spirit rest upon them. But it was also, uh, it was a select few that would have the Holy Spirit in them. And it was a select few and it was temporary usually. Okay. So that is a good little clue right there. That's, that's very cool because that makes him different, right? And oh, not to mention the fact that he was Moses' assistant. 
So, you know, you become who you hang around, right? And also, uh, the Bible says that, you know, he loved the presence of the Lord because it talks about how when Moses, when they had the, 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 the tent where, where God would come, right? And, they would, and Moses would go to meet God in the tent. Uh, the Bible says, but Joshua wouldn't leave. He would stay. Okay, so obviously that is some good clue there, right? How about Caleb? Numbers says, but my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him. One of the translate, this is King James. One of the translations says a different spirit. Okay, so, if right, so that's something right there. He's not like the others. So it makes sense. He would have a different perspective, right? It says, and hath followed me fully. Actually, when I looked at the concordance for Caleb, on more than one occasion, it, it repeated that phrase. Caleb hath followed me fully. Okay, and in the Hebrew, to follow fully means to be filled. To be filled. So that gives us a clue, right? That's really special, Joshua and Caleb, right? That makes sense. I can see why they would have a good perspective, right? But then I thought, okay, so we're all filled. Do we always have a good perspective? <laughs> I wasn't satisfied. That's so good about Joshua and Caleb. They're awesome, right? But I was like, okay, God is so cool. So I'm like, what about the 10? Why did the 10 not have a good perspective? Not why did the two have it, but why did the 10 not? Because remember what we read, they're leaders. They're, they're like bigwigs, they're the chiefs. They're the strong men. They've proven themselves in battle. Ain't that something, right? They were sent on purpose to go, right? But yet they came back filled with fear and a bad report and negative perspective, right? And because of that perspective, they didn't want to go on. And they didn't go on. And you know what happens, right? They end up wandering. Everybody, except Joshua and Caleb, wanders in the desert decade after decade. And the only two that enter their promised land are Joshua and Caleb. So you can take something from that. You can be like, okay, look what happens with the bad perspective. Wander, 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 wander. Don't enter promised land. Good perspective. They enter the promised land. So perspective is very important. Okay. Okay. So let's go back to these guys. So now we got to go back. This is good because my time is perfect. So I'm going to read fast. Now we have to go back all the way back. If we want to understand why they had their, the bad perspective. Because sometimes you got to know what not to do. Okay, it's a different perspective, but it helps. Uh, we have to go back to Exodus, and we have to go back to, remember the golden calf? Okay, so I uh, read Exodus 32, the golden calf. Okay. Okay, where's my little... Uh... Okay, so basically what's happening is these people are getting really annoyed uh, because Moses is up the mountain, right? 
Joshua's partway up the mountain. That's important. Okay, so Moses up the mountain, Joshua's partway up the mountain. They're all like, what is going on? Where is he? He's never coming back. We need a new leader. Okay, let's make this golden calf. Let's, and Aaron, Aaron's in on it, okay? So if we go to uh, verse 7, the Lord spoke to Moses, Go and get down, for your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have quickly turned aside from the way. They have made for themselves a molded calf and have worshipped it, sacrificed to it, and said, This is your God. Uh, okay, this is your God, O Israel, which has brought you up from the land of Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and certainly it is a stiff-necked people. Now, therefore, let me alone, so that my wrath may burn against them, and I may destroy them, and I will make of you a great, a great nation. Okay, so he's not happy, okay? And then what happens there next is basically Moses convinces him. He reminds him of what he promised, right? The ancestors before him. Okay, is the ancestors is the right way, right? Yeah. And, um, okay, so then, okay, so that's what happened there. Keep reading. Verse 17. When Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, this is a, there is a sound of war in the camp. So Joshua's not in on it. That's important. Uh, go down to 19. As soon as he came near the camp, he saw the calf, the dancing, Moses' anger burned, so he threw the tablets, shattered them. We saw the movie with Charlton Heston, right? Then he took the calf, which they had made, burned it in the fire. Okay, I can't actually go over this too quickly, okay? So Moses' anger burned. He threw the tablets. Now, you have to imagine being there, okay? Threw the tablets from his hands, shattered them at the bottom of the mountain, then he took the calf, which they had made, and burned it in the fire, ground it to powder, scattered it on the water, and he made the children of Israel drink it. Okay? How's that for a memory? Okay? So, keep going. Turn the page. Uh, okay. Verse 27, he said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, every man fasten a sword, go back and forth, it's not over yet. Let every man kill his brother and every man his friend and every man his neighbor. The Levites did according to the word of Moses and about 3,000 men of the people died that day. Verse 31, then Moses returned to the Lord and said, oh, this people has committed a great sin. Okay, so Moses is always pleading on behalf of the people. Verse 34, Go now, lead the people to the place of which I have spoken to you. Indeed, my angel will go before you. So he was angry, but then Moses convinces and says, okay, I'm going to let my angel go before you, okay? And the Lord, then we go down to 35, and the Lord plagued the people because they made the calf, the one that Aaron made. Then chapter 33, the Lord said to Moses, depart, Go up from here, you and the people whom you brought from the land of Egypt to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying to your descendants, I will give it. I will send an angel before you. I will drive out the Canaanite, all of these people. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey. However, I will not go up in your midst. For you are a stiff-necked people, and I might destroy you on the way. When the people heard this disturbing word, they mourned. So, 
I will not go up in your midst, for you are a stiff-necked people, and I might destroy you. When the people heard this, they mourned. So then it goes on that I have, yes, okay. He does go in the, uh, the glory of God. Verse 14, he says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Praise the Lord. The Lord said to Moses, good, that's good. Okay. So I will not go up in your midst, but Moses is really good at, right, convincing the Lord, reminding the Lord, really. And he says, my presence will go with you. Okay. So this is what the Lord said to me. He said, I'll never forget, I was driving yesterday. And I was on this, what was so different about the 10? And he had me to go back from the beginning and read all of this. And he said, they still thought I was mad at them. Even though I said, right, my presence will go with you after, and I will give you rest. He, he did say that after, before they went. But this was such a traumatic, think about it. The tablets, the melting the thing, Moses is angry, drink it. Then <laughs> thousands of people, thousands of people die. What did it say, 3,000 people? 3,000 people die in front of you, all because of this. So they knew God was not happy with what they did, right? And they saw it. They heard it. They experienced it. They felt it. And it was very traumatic, right? And even though God says after, okay, I'll go with you and I'll give you rest. They couldn't shake that first experience. Those words that were spoken and what they experienced, they couldn't shake that from their memory to the point where it affected their perspective of God. So they went into the land with the perspective, God's mad at us. He's, he can't, he's not for us. He can't be for us if he's mad at us. I mean, that just makes sense, right? He's not with us. He said, they heard and they mourned. He said, I'll not go up. I won't go up in your midst. And that's what the Lord said. He said, they thought that I was mad at them. And so, of course, they would have that perspective. And so, praise the Lord, God's not mad at you. Anybody listening, watching on the internet, God is not mad at you. Jesus carried everything for us. So when God looks at us, he sees that white filter, not the other one. All he sees is the white one. He's not mad at you. He's not disappointed in you. He's not twiddling his thumbs in heaven, wishing and waiting that you would do something for him. He's not, that's not him. Remember, he sees you with a perfect perspective. He sees you the way you truly are. And he is crying out for his people to see themselves the way he sees them. 
because can you imagine the things we will do? The priorities, the decisions, the choices, the things that we'll do out of that perfect, divine, heaven perspective of who we are, who he is, the way he sees us, the way he sees our situations. If you need a perspective, a fresh perspective on the situation that you are current, we're all in a situation. And if you don't got your own situation, you're probably praying for someone else's situation. So if you need a fresh perspective, all you got to do is ask. God, help me to see this the way you see it. And I promise when you do that, it will change everything. Amen. So everyone, we're going to close. Put your hands on your head. Okay, let's wait. Let's wait. You can't tell everybody that and then leave them there. Okay, okay, yeah. yay! They're like, I think God's mad at see? me. Going, okay, see you later. <laughs> that was my uh, yeah. <laughs> She's gonna go ahead and do that. I'll be over here. Okay. <laughs> I'll be over here. But you can pray when I'm done. Yeah, we're gonna them, do okay? that one little thing. Okay. Okay, praise the Lord. So we're gonna say that that experience for them would have been if you remember when Mike Hutchins was here last year and he led us through that teaching of what happens to your soul when you experience a trauma watching Moses come down from the mountain smash the tablets 3,000 people die that whole thing that would have been a traumatic experience and what he came if you remember last year and explained to us is how your soul hangs on to those moments of trauma and they begin to shape identity then or perspective about the future is forged in those moments of trauma but jesus came and paid for those on the cross and so perspective can be changed as we loose that thing from our soul okay so everybody close your eyes don't get nervous this is not hard and you do not have to get a memory okay Praise the Lord. Okay. okay. So we're going to ask first. So just say, Jesus, do I feel like God is mad or disappointed in me? Jesus, what does it look like for me to carry the weight of that deception in my life? I want you to just see a picture right there. You might have a sense of something. You feel a heaviness. He might show you a picture. You might hear a word. just invite him in so say Jesus I invite you to come and stand in between me and that deception 
I want you to just see Jesus come in. You might feel his presence. You might see him there. You just know that his peace is there. I want you to just focus on that for a moment. Just see Jesus standing in between you and that deception, that lie that says God is mad or disappointed in you in any way. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, everyone together, let's just say this. Say, Lord, I ask you to heal everything that was broken, crushed, or damaged in any way through this trauma. I command any spirit of shame, inferiority, fear, confusion, or any other demonic forces to be separated from my soul, to leave me now, go to that place Jesus has prepared and never return. Say in the name of Jesus, I choose to close any gates that were open to my life because of that deception. I pray that all consequences of this trauma be healed. Say Jesus, heal every memory and remove all the pain. Come on, say, I command all fear, all torment, any panic attacks, any lies of unworthiness to cease right now in the name of Jesus. All sickness and pain leave my body and I command the memory of every experience associated with that deception to be healed right now in the name of Jesus. Say, Jesus, I thank you for this healing completely in my spirit, in my soul, and in my body. From this moment forward, I am free. And I declare I will live out of the freedom and the blessing that the truth has created in my life in Jesus name say Jesus in place of that deception show me what do you want to give me soul from this moment forward in Jesus name amen now just lift out your hands for a minute and enjoy you can just pray just a prayer of blessing over them just hold out your hands and just take a couple of big deep breaths and just let her pray just a prayer of blessing and refreshing over you yeah in Jesus name hallelujah thank you Lord we just thank you Lord for your blessing God you, Lord, for your healing, for restoration, God. Thank you, Lord, for a fresh and new and divine perspective, God. God, I thank you that we see the way you see in the name of Jesus. Our minds are blessed 
We have the minds of Christ. In the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord God, that we see ourselves the way you see us, that we see you as you truly are. God, and I just thank you that we see every and all situations now and in the future, God, through your perspective. And I thank you, Lord, that our perspective for 2018 is a year of Holy Spirit and fire. Fire, fire, fire in the name of Jesus. That is our perspective for this year, not like any year in the past. I thank you, Lord God, that our perspective is this will be our best year yet. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.